0: God bless you. Welcome to South Rich this morning. If you are a guest, or a visitor inside your worship guide, you will find a connection card. Love for you to take a moment and fill out that card. And at the end of the service, you can drop it either in the offering basket as it's passed, or you can stop at our table, at the information table on the way out underneath the tent. We have a gift for you. We want to make sure you receive that gift. We're so honored and thrilled to have you here this morning. We're going to kick off a new series entitled, I Need a Breakthrough. Now, I know the title immediately can feel a little bit kind of um, emotional, like you're just playing into emotion, that, hey, I just need a breakthrough. But at the same time, I find that when we're not thinking about a breakthrough, when we think we're okay, life is not static. And I think we want it to be, I think we want our growth to reach a point where it's just good, like just kind of good enough. And so this series is all about the fact that you may not be sitting here thinking you need a breakthrough. But guess what? We all are in need of one. There's a part of our life where we just kind of accepted it as normal, and it's not. And so through this series, I'm hoping to challenge you. I'm hoping to encourage you. I'm hoping to see you and hope to help you see beyond that struggle. But before we dive in, let me just stop for a moment and just kind of talk to you as a church for just a minute. You say, what do you mean? I think sometimes we forget why we do church. I think we forget. I think we forget sometimes why we plan a church. I think sometimes we forget why we would invest so much money, time, and effort into dropping Easter eggs out of a hot air balloon. I think sometimes we forget, why would we work so hard and get here so early to set things up? Why would we want to make sure every chair was straight? Why would we care so much that there's litter in the parking lot that we go and pick up? Why do we care so much that all the toys are sanitized? And why do we care so much about the graphics? Why do we care so much about the quality of the music that we present? Why do we care so much about the details? And I think sometimes we just kind of accept it as normal, but I think we need to dive a little bit deeper. And so let me just take a few minutes and just talk about the why. Why our church exists. And I know you're like, no, I bought in, I'm good, I I get it. But I don't really think we do fully understand. You see, we didn't start this church just because we thought, hey, I got nothing better else to do, so let's just kind of start something in a community center. The reality is, there are nicer facilities. The reality is, there are more comfortable conditions for you. But, what we believe here at Southridge is the fact that Last year, George Barna and Poles said that over 1,500, or excuse me, 4,000 church, churches closed last year alone. They said that last year alone, 1,300 pastors left the ministry. You say they weren't fired, they just got discouraged and they just quit. Last year alone, 2016, do you know how many Christians walked away from the church no longer to return? The number will astound you. It was 1,220,700 people walked away from church last year. So the why we do this, why do we get up? Why was it worth those that got up at 4 a.m. this morning and got here, got showered, got ready, set everything up at a mad dash? Why is It's because we believe that we're called to call back people to church. We're a church that's not just existing for the lost, but we believe that there are some people that they need a church. And they've gone to church, but the church kind of left them behind. The church lost its vision of what it was all about. The church lost its why. Because we do believe that there are, is a place, a literal place called hell and a little place called heaven. And I, I read this week, I, I really shouldn't do this, but on my vacation, I just, I just read. That's kind of what I do. And so I dove into a book and I found this book by Elon Musk. Anybody ever heard of that guy? And man, it, I'm just weird. And so I dove into it and the guy is fanatical. You know what he's fanatical about? Three things. Three things. Here's the things he's fanatical. You already know this: rocket ships, electric cars, and getting to Mars. He's fanatical about those things, and he's got such a passion, he's got such a drive, and he has done some incredible things in just a short amount of time with no funding, no help, no uh, real backing behind him. And all of a sudden, I got a little bit irritated. He said, "Why did you get irritated?" Because we've got the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got a mission from God, and we fail so often at doing it. We have such little passion, such little drive. We show up to church, and I don't mean this to be an indictment. I really mean it to be like, why is the world making the church just look so bad? I mean, they're outpacing us, and they don't even know why they do it. They're just like, we need to get to Mars. Why do we need to get to Mars? I don't know. We just need to go to Mars. You know, there's a place better than Mars, it's called heaven, but guess what? A lot of the world doesn't know about it. Isn't that kind of an indictment on the church? And so, I don't blame the one million people who left the church, because their church forgot about it too. Because their church said, it's all about how comfortable we can make the people who attend. Instead of understanding, we're not just an audience, we're an army. We're about a mission. We're about accomplishing something. And we should do it with such fervor, such drive, such ambition that people are like, hey, why do you go to that church? Because we're crazy over there. We're nuts. We get up early. We go to a football field. We pay for everything. And we throw eggs at children out of a hot air balloon. We're just not right in our heads. But guess what? God uses it. Last weekend, our church ministered over, over to over 1,400 people, a church that averages 200. We ministered to peop- a group of people far larger than we could possibly imagine. You would say that should be saved for the bigger churches. I know, but we're crazy. Here's the type of kids you didn't mess with in school. It was the ones that were bigger than you and then the ones that were just crazy. They just weren't right in the head. You just didn't mess with them. We're not bigger than you, but we're crazy. <laughs> We're just not all there in a good kind of way. That's our church. And I want to remind our church why we did last weekend. Why we invest the money. Why do we do food trucks? I've even got this crazy idea for this summer. I'm like, you know what? They got food trucks for the feed people. But you know, there's a lot of pet owners in this area. How many of you own a pet? I just want to, wow. Okay, so that was almost everybody. So imagine if we did the next outreach this summer. And instead of a food truck coming up, what if it was one of those pet Little cars that come, they wash your dogs, your animals. Because you know how many people would come to get a free cleaning their animal? You know how many people would come to church for that? Tomorrow, I'm scheduled to take my husky in, and that's going to be a good 85 bucks. That's how much it's going to cost me, because she looks like she has the mange right now. It's the weather change and everything. And so just imagine the people, you say, that's crazy. It is. But I guarantee people would come. And I guarantee when they come, they're going to meet a greeter out there who's going to have a lanyard on, a big smile, who's going to say, hey, you! I'm so excited you're here. They're going to get a delicious cup of coffee and some muffins. We switched it up. Didn't those muffins smell good? Guess what? They're a lot cheaper than donuts, too, so they smelled a lot better. They smelled like money. That's what it smelled like. That was a blessing. And so they're going to get greeted. They're going to hear some wonderful music. They're going to get seated by an usher, and we're going to do it so that, why? We can tell them the eternal truth that, guess what? There's a place better than Mars. There's something better than an electric car. It's a place called heaven, and it's a relationship with Jesus. You don't need the car for status. You've got Jesus who says you're loved. You're a prince. You're a queen. You are a princess. That's why we do it. And I know some of you, you worked so hard last week and you were stuck somewhere where nobody patted you on the back. Nobody said thank you. You didn't get a letter. Nobody applauded you or mentioned your name. But I want you to understand, what we're doing is bigger than us. It's bigger than the part we play. Because what we're about is seeing this area, the Silicon Valley, 7.8 million people. It's the least churched area in the country. You know how many people go to church in this area? 2% of people go to church in this area. You know how many churches are in this area? I did a Google search. It's 1,800 according to Google. And everything is correct on the web, all right? Everything you read, it is gospel, all right? So just imagine if 1,800 churches all ran 1,000, which they don't. That's a lot of people going to church, isn't it? But it doesn't even scratch the surface if 1,800 churches ran 1,000. We're not even 10% of the Silicon Valley. So that's why our church says we do crazy things. We launch services. We add outreach events. We show up when other people don't. We give even when we think we don't have more to give. That's why we show up. That's why we do it. Because last year, 90,000 Christians in, around the world said, we believe the gospel so much, we're willing to die for it. Last year, 90,000 Christians were martyred. 2016, you thought, no, 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 that only happened. No, 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 Christians are still dying for their faith. Easter Sunday, you saw how they bombed churches. You say, well, that, that, they're, they're a little bit different than us. Guess what? No. They were still trying to tell people about Jesus. And so we need to stand up and say, you know what? Yeah, our church is a little bit crazy. You got to check it out. We're the good kind of crazy. So when you talk to your coworker, when you talk to your neighbor and they're like, I tried the church thing. You tell them, yeah, you haven't tried Southridge. There's something different about us. We're different. No, no. We may not have the best coffee. No, we may not have the best seats. We may not have the best facility. But what we've got is just this grit, tenacity that we just don't stop. We're just crazy enough to believe that God can change the world through us. That's why when you open your worship guide, everybody got your worship guide? Open that up, the bottom three words. It says this, what does it say? It says, we live by faith, we're going to be known by love, and we're a voice of hope. That's who we are, church. And I'm glad we got a few people that believe it. Can we just wake up and clap for that, that that's who we are this morning? That's who we are. And so, church, when you think about, man, why am I doing this? Why are they always bugging me about showing up on time and getting here? It's because we believe that you can change somebody's life. We believe that there's a single mom, that they're going to come, and they're going to have their kids, and they've had a rough week. But as soon as they see you, you're going to make their day better. We believe that there's somebody that they just got fired this week, and they just lost their job, but they walked into church, and this is their kind of their last-ditch effort, and they're going to meet you. You see, guess what? Way before they ever hear my message, which 50-50, good or bad, you never know what you're going to get, all right? It's just kind of like, hey, flip a coin. We'll see what happens. It's always good to come to the second service. Everything changes in the second service. Just listen to the podcast. You're like, wait a minute. I didn't hear that. I know. It gets better, all right? My wife, like, rewrites the message in between. She's like, no, no, just preach this. is better, you know? So you need to understand that they're going to meet you way before they hear Pastor West or our wonderful guest. They're going to see you out there in the parking lot. They're going to see you out there by the coffee. They're going to see you in Ridge Kids. They're going to see you in the nursery. So it's up to us to say, "You know what? I'm the front line." And man, I know I may have had a rough week and we all have. But we say, "You know what? I'm the smile. It's not fake." This smiles because I know that one day things are going to be better. One day things are going to be different. So I'm going to help this person today. I'm going to serve this person. I'm going to love on this person. So that's the why. I believe that our church is going to continue to grow. It's it's amazing the growth we've seen so far. And I believe we're going to continue to do great things. And yes, I sent an email to you and I said, yeah, we need to add a third service. Some of you, you kind of got a little bit nervous. You may have wet yourself because you're like, we're not even doing two services yet very well. I know. We need to keep stretching, keep pushing. Some of you are like, you've gone to the gym too much. You're trying to hit too many PRs. We can't ever get to a point where we're not stretching ourselves. Where we're not pushing our faith. Because what does the Bible say? But without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's sobering when we honestly think about it. Because when we're not exercising faith, we're not pleasing God. You say, no, I'm at church. Yes, but are you exercising faith? That, that's a game changer. God says, here's what pleases me. When you are exercising faith, when you're stepping outside of your comfort zone and you're going up to your neighbor and you're going to say, I'm going to mow your lawn because I'm going to show you the love of Christ or I'm going to go to that coworker who just need somebody to pray with them. Whether they believe in Christianity or not, you say, hey, do you mind if I just pray with you? Because I, I know what you're going through and I want to help you. And so that's why we step into a situation. That's why we're going to continue to do it. So thank you, church, for letting me take 10-15 minutes just to ramble just a little bit because I just want to remind us we're doing so many great things. Last week, seven people received Christ. We have a slew of people that need to be baptized. One family, they just said on Friday they were like, hey, we can't. Uh, my daughter needs to be baptized. There's lots of others who need to be baptized. And so we're going to get that baptism service in. We're going to make it happen. It's hard and more reportable. So we've got people that are being saved. We've got people that are added to small groups. We've got people that are coming to our newcomer's reception. We've got people that are new that are coming back to the church. It's exciting what's happening here. So don't just get myopic and think, well, my ministry. We're struggling with workers. I know every ministry is because we're growing. We're growing. That's why you're struggling to find people is because you need more. And so we're going to continue to pursue God passionately and he's going to grow his church. He will. All right. So let's dive into John chapter number 15. All right. It's going to be a great day. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. I love church. I'm so glad. So glad to be here. When it comes to church, your expectation will set the level for your experience. Did you know that? When it comes to your expectation of church, your expectation will set the level of your experience. You ever walked into a restaurant and said, this isn't going to be very good. And guess what? Your experience really isn't. Did you know you were, it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. I think sometimes we come to church and we're not expecting God to speak to us. And so we're not surprised when he doesn't. But if we're like, wait a minute, God wants to speak to me. God loves me. And then when God speaks to us, we're like, well, I expected him to. Here's the thing. What I'm realizing is I've started praying, expecting God to answer my prayers. You say, well, duh. Yeah, but the reality is, how often do we just, it's kind of a, I'm going to throw this out there, God, and I hope it happens. Instead of a faith knowing that, guess what? God loves me. He wants to answer my prayer. So I pray expecting God to move. There have been things we've wanted to buy at the church, but I'm like, wait, we're just not going to buy it. We're going to pray for God to give it to us. Something I learned from my wife a long time ago. I was like, we need to buy a car. A couple of years ago, when we go on a deputation. She was like, we're not going to buy a car. I was like, oh, we're not. Okay, all right, never mind. I'll just go to Toys R Us get a little car. You know, <laughs> you know, that's what I'll buy. I'm going to buy a car. She's like, no, no, we're going to pray and God's going to give us one. Sure enough, God gave us a brand new car. Brand new. Never owned a new car. My parents have never owned a new car. Never thought I'd own a new car in my lifetime. God, time and time again, has answered prayers. And so I've started living expecting him to answer. And guess what? I'm, I'm not as disappointed because God is answering. Big ones and little ones. And so when it comes to our expectation, our, our, our expectation will set the level of our experience. That's free. That's, that's, that's You're welcome. You can, you can take that today. Well, let's dive into John chapter number 15. I love this passage of scripture. It's a great one to memorize, and I would encourage you as we go through the series. I want to start here in the moments that we have left. The Bible says, I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that bears, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, then it may bring forth more fruit. Verse number three, here's what the Bible says. You are already clean because of the word which I've spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in me. Unless you abide in me. Let's continue reading. The Bible says in verse number uh, 7, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done to you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so will you be my disciples, Dear Heavenly Father, I pray in the few moments that we have together, may you use it. May you bless it. Father, your word is powerful. I pray that it would do a work that I can't do. I pray that it would be a blessing to those that need the blessing. And I pray it would be the challenge for those that need a challenge this morning. Father, we love you. Our hearts are prepared to hear from you. And so, Father, we are united in this request that we want to, we need to hear from you this morning. I pray for people that are struggling spiritually, that you would help them to understand that you want to take them to new levels in their walk with you. And I pray that you bless. We love you, Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love this passage of scripture. It's agricultural and it reminds me of a story of when my family first moved to California or actually first moved to Fresno, the, uh, the Central Valley. My dad started ministry in, San, in Santa Clara and I was born in Santa Clara right off of uh, this, this Clyde Avenue. I was born at home, which explains a lot. Okay? So, um, all, my first four brothers, all of us, we were all born at home, and right on Clyde Avenue there's an apartment right up there, and I've driven by it showed my wife several times, that's where I was born knocked on the door, hey, that's Stane. no just kidding, just kidding, and uh, so it's one of those places where I can go back to, but then in 1989, my dad decided to plant a church in Fresno, so we moved to Fresno, and my dad was all excited, he grew up in Milwaukee, and then he was here, came to the Silicon Valley and so he was excited about getting out to uh, Fresno, it was rural, about 300,000 people at the time, and so he, he, my dad always had this green thumb itch Like he just wanted to be a farmer, but he never got to be a farmer. And I mean, one time my dad got a little extra money, so he bought a tractor. I don't know why. He just bought a tractor. And there's been other times where he's just bought stuff. And then I remember the day he came back. We lived on two acres in Madera, California. He comes back and he's like, hey, look what I bought. I bought grape trees. He was like, didn't even know. They're not called trees. They're called vines. But he was telling everybody at our church, yeah, I just planted these grape trees. You want to see my grape trees? You got to see my grape trees. And nobody had the heart to tell my dad, like, they're not called trees. You just sound very ignorant when you call them trees. They're actually vines. Because in Fresno, you've got all the the dull raisins, and you've got all kinds of things out there. So my dad just wanted to fit right in. And it was great. And we just, we just kind of give him a hard time about that. But that's this passage. Jesus is on his way to the cross. This is uh, before Calvary. And he's walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. And as he's walking, he passes a vineyard, all these vineyards. And immediately, Jesus, not missing an opportunity to teach to his disciples, you can imagine him either taking a branch off and illustrating the fact, or just looking at the branch, pointing it out, and teaching on this. And so I want you to write down four words, if you would, this morning. And we're going to teach as time allows on these four words. Would you write the word plant, push, prune, and produce? Would you write those words? Plant, push, prune, produce. Plant, push, prune, produce. See, four simple words that we want to teach on this morning. Because I think too often we look at a breakthrough and we kind of want it to happen instantly. That, after all, is kind of what this title mentions. It kind of, think, kind of leads us down this path that, guess what, breakthroughs are instant. I can name it and claim it, and it just kind of happens like that. But I need you to understand that breakthroughs are not like drive throughs They don't happen the same. And many of us want to drive through to our breakthrough, and, and that's not the way the process takes place. And that's why I love John 15, because you are going to get to the fruit, but there's a process before you get to the fruit, isn't there? Because God wants to do something in you, and through you, and for you, but God doesn't just give it, you can write this down, God doesn't just give it, he grows it. God doesn't just give it, he grows it. You want more patience in your life, guess what? God's not just going to give it, he's going to grow it. It's why you have children. Now it explains a lot. God wants to grow it in you. Some of you, you want God just to give you discipline, but God wants to grow discipline. Some of you want to grow wealth when God wants to help you gain it. God wants to help you sustain it because God doesn't want to just give you something that your character cannot withstand. So God doesn't just give it, he grows it. I know a lot of people you'll look at somebody, you'll say they're an overnight success. If you were to talk to that person, they'll tell you this. That was one long night there was no overnight success they worked at it and it developed because god doesn't just give it to you he grows it look at all the characters of the old testament joseph spent years in a prison years as a slave before he ever became a ruler in egypt you see, God took Abraham through a process, through years before he ever gave him or gave him his, his land and his inheritance. Think about the children of Israel. For 400 years, they're slaves. For 400 years, they're in bondage. And then God sends them out. We kind of touched on it. After midnight, they left and they went and they went on their, their escape. But does anybody know how long it takes to get to the promised land and Egypt? Does anybody know? You can just shout it out. I heard it, three days. It's three days. How long did it take them? 40 years. You would think that God, after 400 years, would kind of be in a hurry, wouldn't you? But God's never in a hurry, even after 400 years. Because God isn't just about getting you to a place. He wants to take you through a process to become that person. So God doesn't just give it, he grows it. God doesn't just give it, he grows it. So with that foundation in mind, we want to have a breakthrough. And many of us, we're going to see some breakthroughs. We're going to dive into some spiritual truths here that I know will help you. Because you need a spiritual breakthrough. You need a financial breakthrough. You need a physical breakthrough. We all need these breakthroughs. But I need you to understand, first and foremost, that God's going to grow it in you. God's going to grow it. Just like anything, he's going to grow it. So first of all, you need to see something when it comes to this planting. If I were to hold up a seed and you would see the seed, uh, you and I would, would, would be able to discern, hey, what kind of seed? If we saw the packaging, we'd say, that's a flower seed, it's a vegetable seed. And we could kind of go through it and kind of see the seed. But I want us to think of seeds as potential. A seed is really just potential, is it not? But here's the thing about potential. You and I are just like the seed. We have all kinds of potential. But potential is nothing unless we put it into production. Potential is nothing unless we put it into production. There's a lot of people today that have all kinds of potential, but they've never put it into production. Meaning they've never taken the seed and put it in the soil. And yet they're stepping back and saying, God, I'm really frustrated because I'm not seeing the fruit that I want. And God's saying, don't look at me because you've never taken the seed that I've given you and planted it in the soil. So you haven't put potential into production. So some of us, you're sitting on seed, you're sitting on potential, and you're looking at God saying, God, when are you going to do this? And God is saying, hey, you got to plant it. You've got to plant it. If you've never planted it, you can't produce it. It seems common sense, doesn't it? But how often do you see Christians who struggle because of the, just the common sense things? We don't have to go real deep yet. We just have to start with the basics. The basis is, hey, God, am I taking my potential that I have? And am I planting it? Many of you have made a very wise decision. Very smart people. You said I have the seed of my life. I'm going to plant it in a church, and that's the first step. But have you taken the next step and saying, hey, I'm going to take the seed, the potential of my life, and I'm going to plant it in a ministry, or I'm going to plant it in a small group, or I'm going to plant it in my community? What are you doing with the seed? Has it planted? Are you allowing it to germinate, to spread, to give influence, to give life? Because it can only happen when the seed is planted. My wife and I, when we started Deputation, we made this cool little video. If you want to see it, you could see it. I'm, I'm embarrassed by it because uh, you think I look young now. I looked even younger then. Many of you would be like, what in the world? This is 13-year-old. You know, I mean, now at least I look 16. But back then, I looked 13, okay? So it, it, was, a, it was a while ago. But we had this cool little thing. And my daughter's out in our garden in the backyard. And she's planting a seed. And it's a cool little... Shot, and then we pan back to the shot, and man, overnight you just see this flower. It's really cool. Just kind of cool trick photography thing. And a lot of us, that's what we expect. We kind of want to plant it and pluck it. That's where we're at, right? Like wouldn't that be great in your garden? You just go to your garden, you put some tomato seeds, and you get the little trellis thing, you plant it, come back in oh, 20 minutes. Hey, picking tomatoes. Man, look at these tomatoes. This is awesome. But that's not how God works, is it? He doesn't just say plant it and pluck it. He said there's seed, time, and harvest. So we've got this middle time, right? That God wants to work in your life. And many of us, we're not allowing God to work. And so as we're sitting on this potential, and God wants to do something great with the seed that's in you. Haggai 2, 19, we'll put it up on the screen. I want you to see the scripture. It's such a fascinating scripture to me, because it's this great question, isn't it? Look what the scripture says. It says, is the seed still yet in the barn? Now in that day, you would protect your seed. You would protect the seed because that was your livelihood. That was your future. That was everything. You would protect it. But what happened was, if you didn't plant it, if you didn't ever put it out there, you couldn't ever see a crop, ever put a harvest. Some of us were sitting on so much potential. And some of us were stepping back and were saying, God, you're not doing great things in my life. And God is saying, because the seed's still in the barn, it's still hidden in your heart. You're not using it. You have the gift of music. You have the gift of teaching. You have the gift of helps. You have the gift of service. You have the gift of mercy. You have all these gifts that God has put inside of you. And yet you're just sitting on it. You're sitting on potential. And God is saying this morning, take the potential and put it into production this morning. Let's say, God, I'm going to plant. I'm going to get planted. I'm going to get grounded. I'm going to allow the word of God to saturate my heart so it can germinate and so I can be a blessing to others. God wants to use you. The scripture says, if a seed does not go into the ground and die, it cannot produce a harvest. And some of you, you're like, you think what's happening is you're dying, but actually what's really happening is you're developing. You're not dying. God's developing you. And God is going to do a work in the soil as you get planted. And it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be growing pains, but God's going to work in that situation to produce something great. So first of all, our first word is plant. Plant. Are you planted? The second word is push. You and I will never arrive if we can't abide. Notice verse number four. The Bible says, abide in me and I and you as a branch cannot, will not bear fruit of itself. So there's this key that we got to abide. Now, here's the trouble, isn't it? We don't like to stay put for very long. We're moving. We got to go. We got to keep moving. I can't sit still. I've got like a nervous twitch. Uh, I'll be somewhere and my leg will just start like moving. I just got to keep moving. My wife, she'll just gently put her hand on it, and then she literally, I kid you not, I won't even, I won't be paying attention. This leg will be, you know, just kind of tapping. she put her hand on it. All of a sudden, this leg will start going. I don't even know what's happening. It just, all of a sudden, it's like your brain just says, okay, I'll just move this one. I'm like a a little kid, you know, just kind of got to tape down, and then she'll like, could you stop that? And then then my hand will start doing weird things, you know, and it's just like, I just can't stop. But here's what happens is we got to understand that if we can't do the monotonous we're never going to see the miraculous day in and day out, day in and day out, day in and day out. You want to see results. Guess what? You got to build a routine. You want results. You got to get a routine. Amen. See, that's what happens. We don't have any routines in our life. We just live kind of off the cuff, off the fly. And instead of understanding that God is saying, Hey, just abide and you will arrive. You'll get to the destination that you want, but it takes abiding in me. If we will abide in him, we will produce a harvest. But some of us were saying, I don't know if it's really going to happen. And I love what the Apostle Paul said. We're going to put it up there on the screen, Galatians 6, 7. And let me back up just a few verses. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that will he also reap. He that sows to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit, shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. And then my favorite verse is verse number 9. It says, and let us not grow weary in well-doing. Because in due season, say it with me three words, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. We shall reap. You know what this tells me? This tells me that guess what? The harvest may seem invisible, but it's inevitable. It may seem invisible, but it's inevitable. What God wants to do in your life is going to happen. You may not see it right now, but guess what? We're not just casting bread on the water. We're expecting to return from God. We know that God's going to do a work. The seed that you've planted, the person that you've been praying for, don't stop praying for them. God's going to work in their life. My family, they prayed for my father-in-law for over 17 years that he would receive Christ. For 17 years, he watched his family go to church. He watched his children get baptized. He watched them be faithful to church. And guess what? He wanted nothing to do with it. And then 17 years later, they would not stop praying and encouraging him and loving him. And then finally, one day, he got saved. And it was like nothing. It was just kind of like, yeah, I got saved. It was not It was this big moment. And it was almost anti- anticlimactic. Like, wait a minute, 17 years, and it's just like that for you? Yeah, it was just like that. See, some of you, God is going to do something so super, supernatural, it's almost going to seem like just a, a blip. It's not going to be, you know, like, wait, you, God just did it? The doctor say just, you're just healed. I'm just healed? Yeah, you're healed. God's just going to transform something. God's just going to change your spouse. God's just going to change your situation, and it's going to happen in a moment. And you're not even going to notice it because God's just going to do it if you will continue to push, if you will continue to remain. You see, in Scripture, there are two things that God wants you to remember. You see, if we are faithful, you'll eventually be fruitful. That's what this passage is teaching. If you will be faithful, eventually you're going to be fruitful. If you quit too soon, you're not going to see the harvest. You're not going to see the work that God could have done. I've seen people, they've walked away from church, and they've said, well, I got disappointed. And they left too soon. They left too soon to what God wanted to do in them and through them and for them. Because they couldn't wait. They couldn't push. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard. We recently had a baby, as some of you know. Nine weeks ago. Little Cain Justice. And he's beautiful. But the thing that amazed me is I've been in uh, three labor and delivery rooms. This is my third time. And so uh, I'm not necessarily new. Uh, this is the best I've ever done. I didn't pass out. I did get queasy. I don't do needles very well. I, I, I kid you not. The nurses, when they, they show me the needle, they're very nice. They're like, don't look over here. because they, And they're ready to catch me because I might faint or swoon. I've had nurses fan me, give me ice chips as my wife is getting the epidural. And she's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I really really need it, really need it, you know, I'm bad, I'm really bad, I'm a wimp, but this time I was like, I'm gonna do this, I'm, I really am, I'm gonna cut the umbilical cord, so I'm psyching myself up, I'm just like, if this is our last baby, then I'm, I'm gonna just be, I'm gonna be there, you know, I'm gonna be involved, and, and, I, and I made it, but the thing that impressed me the most was the amount of time my wife pushed, that's what impressed me the most, because I'm like, nope, nope, there's a c-section for a reason, yes, we'll take that process, painless, just take the baby, but no, you women are incredible. That push, most painful thing. They say it's like, how many bones breaking? Tons of these bones breaking and cracking. And yet, when you women get in the hospital, you know the push, and that baby comes through. And I think some of us, we don't want to push. We're just like, it's going to hurt. Yeah, it's going to be painful. Yeah, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, you're going to work hard. Yeah, your marriage is not just going to magically transform. You're going to have to do a little work. You're going to have to put in a little effort. Yeah, your job isn't just going to naturally turn around. You're going to have to push. You say you're going to grow spiritually. You're going to have to push. So touch your neighbor and say, push. Matter of fact, push your neighbor. Give him a good push. Say, hey, you need to push. You need to push. Sometimes we get in life we don't push anymore. We've stopped pushing. And God is saying, hey, continue to push. Continue to be faithful because you will be fruitful. So don't be discouraged when right living doesn't produce right results right away. It takes some time. There's a process God wants to take you. But progress is often invisible, but the harvest is inevitable. We've got to run. Let's talk about pruning here. We don't like to talk about it. But the Bible says this, verse number two, Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. Then it may bring forth more fruit. Now we don't like to talk about pruning. But here's something I want to remind you. Sometimes in life, there are people that they, they leave us. There are people that hurt us. And so sometimes it hurts the most when it seems like God's doing it or that God's allowed it. But the comfort I take in this passage is all about who's holding the scissors. My children, they're careless. They break a lot of my stuff. Your children are probably careless too. They just break stuff. They hurt things. My son Austin, he loves Cain. He loves Cain, but Austin is that four, almost five energy, rambunctious, and he kind of thinks Cain can handle what his Legos can handle. And guess what? Legos' arms are meant to come off and go back on. Cain's are not. And we're having to teach him this principle because Austin would love to just kind of twist and turn. And so we're teaching him that, guess what? That, that, that's not how it, it works exactly. And so sometimes we think like people are careless. We kind of think God is careless, but he's not. When God is cutting, he's the gardener. He knows exactly how to cut. Some of you, you're great gardeners. And you don't just go hacking and swinging at the branches. You know how to prune them. You know how to make your roses look beautiful. You know how to make the, the, the ferns look like that thing out of like some garden in England. I mean, you just know how to do and make things look awesome. God has the scissors. God has the pruning shears. He's the one doing the work. So while it may seem like that was a boss that hurt you, while it may seem like a loved one hurt you, ultimately we can trust the fact that, wait a minute, God is holding the scissors. God is in control. God knows exactly how much pruning needs to take place. But there are times when we need to do some self-examination. There's a fascinating parable in Matthew 21, verse number 18. The Bible says that Jesus was walking by a fig tree. And Jesus wanted some figs, and so he walks by the fig tree, and he goes up to it, but there's no figs, there's no fruit. So some of you know this, you know your Bibles, you know what Jesus does. He curses the fig tree, because it had no fruit. And at first when I read that, I was thinking... Jesus, why would you do that? This is so strange to me. But then I began to think, you and I need to start cursing the things that don't produce in our life. There are things in our life that are producing nothing and we're still holding on to it. There are relationships that are producing nothing, but they're sapping you dry of energy and not producing, but yet we still give to them. There are places we go that just take energy from us and we need to do some pruning of our own. We need to do some. We need to do some of the work. There's some, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 12, laying aside the weight and the sin. There's some weights and sins in our life that God would want us to take some scissors and say, Lord, you don't have to convict me about this. I know that I need to behave in this. I know I need to change. Let me grab the scissors and I'll do some surgery here. I'll do some work on my heart. Lord, let me get in some my quiet time and God speak to me. God humble me. God work on my heart. God help me to be a better spouse. God help me to be a better Christ follower. God help me to be a better leader. God help me to be a better parent. God help me to be better in my job. Lord, you don't have to always be the one cutting God, I will do some work on my own. And that takes spiritual maturity, it does. But that's a great sign of spiritual growth. You know, my children, especially Austin, he's like uh, uh, hot and cold. One day, he's the sweetest child you've ever met, where he'll tell you right away, oh, I I ate that extra cookie. I did it, I'm sorry. Most of the time, he comes in, and he's not supposed to have chocolate or candy or cookies, and then he'll say, mom, dad made me eat it. Like I made you eat it, like I forced it down your throat, I made you eat the ice cream, and he throws me under the bus so fast, don't trust that kid, he's cute, but he will throw you under the bus so fast, and so he just throws me under the bus, and I get in trouble, and he still got to enjoy it, and he gets out scot-free, but there are other times he's not, but he's got this sensitive heart, where he's just, he just knows he's guilty, even before we catch him, he's just sensitive some of you, you're like that too. You're like, God, I I just feel that I need to get right with you. I need to spend some time with you. I need to confess this. And I kind of need to have a Psalms 51 moment where it's God search me and know me and cleanse me and see if there's any wicked way in me. God, I want you to cleanse me. I want to be right with you. And so we need to be able to do some work on our own. But too often, we just wait till God takes us to the proverbial woodshed and God has to do some real work. Oh, church, may we be a church that says, God... I'm feeling the conviction of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you're speaking to me. You're convicting me. You're challenging me. And I want to grow in this area. I want to develop in this area. I want to be better for you because I want I know there's going to be pruning. But Lord, I'm going to continue to allow you to work. But if you'll understand something, that God actually wants the harvest more than you do. I think sometimes we forget that. God wants you to grow. God takes pleasure in his children. He looks down and he gets excited about your growth and your development. It's like when you look at your children and they start to take steps. Or you look at something you've created in your job and you get excited about it. Or you're a teacher and you see students that are growing past something. God gets excited about your growth. He wants it for you. He wants it more than you want it. And so God wants to see it happen in your life. So allow God to do a pruning process. But then once God goes through the planting, the pushing, the pruning... We come to the producing. Here's what's awesome. And a lot of us, we can produce. But we're only as strong as our source, aren't we? We went through a lot of storms recently. How many saw some trees that fell over after those storms? Amazing, wasn't it? We know that the drought caused for so little water, the roots to dry up. But nobody knew that the the tree was actually dead, did they? You couldn't see it. It was under the surface. The reason I think so many Christians walk away from church Is because the roots died a long time ago The relationship's been over for a long time But it just took one storm For the life to finally fall And so now God wants to produce something in you But we're only as strong as our source And so if our source was that relationship When the relationship is gone Guess what, there goes our strength If our, rela- if our strength is found in our job What happens when the job is gone? If our strength is only in our finances, what happens when our finances is gone? If our strength is only in our health, what happens when our health is gone? If our strength is in our children, when our children are gone, what strength do we have? If our strength is in our church and something happens to the church, where's our strength? Our strength must always forever be in Jesus. Amen? That's where our strength needs to be. But too often we find our, and we say like this, we find our identity in something else. And when we find our identity in anything outside of Christ, or we find our strength in anything outside of Christ, it will eventually fail us. It will. And so we are coming to this point where God wants to produce, but our success is only as sustain- sustainable as our source. I would love to be able to, to, to take my checkbook and write you a million dollar check. Oh, that'd be so much fun. I love to just give things away, and I love to just be generous. And let's just say today I'm feeling generous and I go up to you and I give you a million-dollar check. Say, man, I just I just love you, man. I'm just so so happy. And Pastor West, just want to give you a million dollars. Man, you're just an amazing pastor. You just, oh, so good looking, you know, you got a great family, you got a good voice, you know. He drives a nice manly red truck, you know, and just here's a million dollars. You know what? Pastor Wes is smart enough, and I think he knows me well enough that he's not going to cash that check. Because he knows, Bacchia doesn't have that kind of money. Bacchia may have $100 on a good day, but nowhere near a million dollars. The check is only as good as its source. Who's our source this morning? It's God. Amen. So when God gives us a promise, he also gives us the power to fulfill it. Because God is our source. And when God is our source, guess what? We have all the resource we need. So we're not afraid. We're not worried. We know that God's going to provide. Some of you got the email I sent out. And I know God's going to work. And I know great things are going to happen. God's going to continue to take this ministry and allow us to see influence throughout the Silicon Valley. I know that God's going to do it because he's shown himself faithful. He's shown himself true. He's shown himself trustworthy. Because why? Our source as a church is always going to be in God. It's not going to be in any... Thing. It's not going to be because we've got some uh, awesome worship ministry or great video or, or, or some great speaking. It's always going to be because we're the church that said, you know what, we're weak, but guess what, God uses weak things. We want to show that God uses the weak, that God loves to take the small and exalt them, that God loves to take the humble and make something out of them, that we're going to be that church. We're going to be the church that says, guess what, we own the fact that we're in a little old community center. We're the church going to own the fact that we've got Porta potties that smell right by our muffins and we're just gonna own that like take a picture of that and be like this is my church like i'm eating a muffin drinking coffee and i see my best friend come out of the yeah let's just stop there i mean it's just getting too much i seriously told the easter bunnies last week that we had it was like hey guys when the kids come out jump out of that about the porta potties and they they looked at me so that was a bad idea i said okay sorry you know just i thought it'd be funny is what i thought it'd be But we want to produce, but our success is only as good as a source. So the results come from the roots. That's what I'm trying to say. The results in your life come from the roots. Where are the roots this morning? Are we rooted and grounded in God and in his word? Because God says, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. He he said, God gets glory when you bear fruit. God wants you to bear fruit. He's for you. Matter of fact, in verse number 16, we'll close it here. The Bible says this, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go forth and bring fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you ask of the father, in my name, he will give it to you. God wants you to have fruit that remains. He wants you to have lasting influence and impact. So can we this morning say, God, I want you to do a work in me. Let's all stand as we wrap things up. So we've got a question this morning. What stage are you at right now? Some of us, you're in the stage where you're holding seed in your hand. You haven't planted it. Some of you, you've planted the seed and it's in production, but you haven't begun to push. Are you in a pushing phase? Is the challenge for you to plant or to push or are some of you in a pruning season when you're saying God is just kind of cutting things back in my life and you're a little bit nervous, you're a little bit scared, you don't understand what God is doing. But now hopefully you see that God is pruning or are you in a producing phase. We're saying, you know what, pastor? Yes, I've gone through the phase where I have planted and I've got good seed and I've put it in the soil of your word and in the soil of the church and the soil of ministry. And I'm using, I'm exercising the fruit and the gifts that you've given me. Where are you? Where do you find yourself? Where do we as a community of Christ followers find ourselves? Are we going to be a church? Let's think corporately for a second. Are we going to be a church that sits on potential? Are we just going to be a church that's a nice little holy huddle where we just kind of keep ourselves happy and we just find a good little click, 120 of us, and we just have a good time and we play dominoes together and we just, we just eat chicken wings and play dominoes and, and I don't know, just, that's, that, that's us? Or are we going to think bigger? Are we going to think that, you know what, there's an empty seat by me and God, I'm going to pray all this week that you're going to fill that seat. And God, as soon as we fill that seat, I'm going to start praying for the next seat because this seat represents a changed life that could be there. And so God, I'm going to pray that every light on those pallets will be filled because every light represents a soul that is saved. And God, I want to see our church continue to reach people. I want to see people who are discarded. I want to see people that the world would marginalize That our church that says, guess what? We make room for the marginalized. We care about those. So where do we find our church? Are we a church that's going to push? I'll tell you, I believe we're in a push phase. And it's hard to push. I believe sometimes that's where people say, you know what, I want to find a church that's comfortable. And I don't blame you. I don't don't blame you at all. But that's where we're at, church. As a corporation. As a corporate body. We're in a push phase. Because we believe that Jesus is coming soon. the days, they seem dark, honestly. You watch the news and it can be real discouraging. You watch what's happening. You think, God, man, so many shootings, so many people, so much violence, so much pain. This is the birth pains that Jesus is coming. And so we must be about our father's business. We planted the seed and now let's push church. Let's tell people about the love of Jesus. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You know the four stages. Where do you find yourself this morning? Take a moment as the musicians play and sing and think about God, where am I and where should I be? Where should I be? Where do you want me to